0: When it comes to courage, the Bible is filled with role models. But few are more iconic than the three boys who refuse to bow in worship to a wicked king. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah profiles Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whose rock-solid faith in God gave them courage in the face of certain death. To introduce his message, Courage When Foes Demoralize You, here 's David,
1: hey, thank you so much for joining us. This is one of the great passages in the Old Testament, and uh, we 're going to discover how to be courageous when we are being overwhelmed by our enemies. Daniel chapter three. Um, I mentioned yesterday at the end of our program that sooner or later everyone uh, has to deal with these um, difficult people, and sometimes there are people who are they 're haters of god they 're haters of what we believe. Uh, Not long ago, we were talking uh, in our study about war and how war uh, isn't the worst of things. It's it's a bad thing. But worse than war is to live your life with nothing you would be willing to fight for or stand up for. We're going to meet that situation in today's study. Being willing to stand up for what you believe no matter what happens, trusting God in the midst of it. Courage when foes demoralize you. From Daniel chapter 3. And uh, along with this, we're telling you about this great book we want to send you, The Jordan River Rules by Rob Morgan. It's our way of saying thank you for your investment in Turning Point during the month of February. We count on your gifts every month. Without them, we couldn't do what we do. And maybe you're new. Maybe you've just started listening to this program and you've never interacted with us before. I promise you, we'll treat you with dignity and honesty and integrity. When you send your gift, just ask for this book and it'll be on its way to you. I promise you, you will look at this book and read it and study it and think to yourself, it was so much a part of what I needed, and my gift was, oh, it was rewarded a 100 times over. Thank you for giving us the opportunity of introducing you to Rob Morgan and his beautiful book, The Jordan River Rules. Well, let's get started now on this story. It's in the third chapter of Daniel. You'll find it, and you can join us as we walk through this discussion together courage when foes demoralize you one of the stories that came out of the fall of communism is about a pastor in romania by the name of joseph ton i have had the privilege of meeting this man on one occasion when he was a pastor in romania joseph was arrested by the secret police for publishing a sermon calling for the churches to refuse to submit to the communist government's demand for control over their ministries. When an official told him that he had to renounce his sermon, he replied, no sir, I won't do that. The official, surprised that anyone would respond so forcefully to the secret police, said, aren't you aware that I can use force against you? Sir, said Joseph Ton, let me explain how this works. You see, your supreme weapon is killing, and my supreme weapon is dying. You know that my sermons are spread all over the country on tapes. When you kill me, I only sprinkle them with blood. They will speak 10 times louder after that because everybody will say that preacher meant it because he sealed it with his blood. So go on, sir, kill me. When you kill me, I win the supreme victory and the secret police released him, knowing that his martyrdom would be far more of a problem than his sermon was. The courage of Joseph Tan is reminiscent of the courage of three men who lived in another time, in another place. Their courage to face the enemies of their life is a powerful encouragement to all of us today, and it's in the Bible for that very purpose, to strengthen us in our walk with God. The entire story is told in the third chapter of the book of Daniel. Interestingly enough, as we open our Bibles to Daniel chapter three, Daniel does not appear. He's nowhere to be found. He is not in the third chapter. He is not mentioned. And a lot of people don't know why Daniel wouldn't be in one of the chapters of his book. Most people who have studied it believe that since Daniel was high in the court of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, that he had been sent out of the country on some affair of state and so he was gone when this current episode that we're going to study today took place. While Daniel is not there, we are introduced to three of his buddies who were taken along with Daniel and 70 others from Jerusalem and taken away to Babylon as captives during the time of war. These three men have the interesting names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or as my children would used to say, to bed we go. Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. All right. After this chapter in Daniel, we never read about these boys again, but in this chapter, they are something else. Now in order for us to understand the courageous way in which they dealt with their life, we have to go back to the first part of Daniel chapter three. And if you have your Bibles open, you'll be able to follow along. In the first few verses of the chapter, we learn that King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a megomaniac, he was an ego guy like you could not believe, that he made a huge image of gold. And he set it up in the plain of Dura, which was one of the provinces of Babylon. And the purpose of this image of gold was so that it might be worshiped by all the people in all of Babylon. Obviously the image of gold represented him. Nebuchadnezzar gathered all the official family together and he instructed them to come to the dedication ceremony of this gigantic image. Now the Bible describes the image that he built in grotesque terms. You wouldn't pick this up unless you did a little of the homework on the math the Bible says that it was 60 cubits high and six cubits wide now since we don't deal with cubits I did a little homework on that 60 cubits high it was 90 feet high and it was a very skinny image because the ratio of the image was 10 to 1. it was grotesque because it was this 90 foot high gold image that was so skinny you could hardly see it but it just towered over the province Nebuchadnezzar's purpose in building this golden image, because he considered himself a golden king, was that he would unify his vast empire around the worship of this gold image, that they would all come and worship and they would all stay together. Babylon at the time was polytheistic. There were many gods and some of these worshipers were being fragmented from the worship of the God of Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar decides to unify the worship with this golden statue. He also was deifying himself he was holding himself up to be God. Now, when the construction of this image was completed, Nebuchadnezzar sent out the following word, and you'll find this in verses four through six of the third chapter. Then a herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, You shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Now, I've written in my notes, the way Nebuchadnezzar blew his own horn, I'm surprised he needed an orchestra, but he had this orchestra together. And the verse tells us that all the people of Babylon followed the decree of Nebuchadnezzar to come and worship the golden image. Some have estimated as many as 300,000 people were involved. And when the music began to play, they all came to the plain of Dura and they bowed down before the image. All of them, that is, except three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When some of the leaders of Babylon found out that these three boys had not followed the king's orders, they couldn't wait to run to Nebuchadnezzar and say, hey, you told us we were all supposed to bow down? Well, everybody did except these three guys. And you know, I can't help but think that if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went to the event on the plain of Dura and 300,000 were bowing down and they were the only three that stood up, it wouldn't have been hard to identify who they were so the report was carried to Kim Nebuchadnezzar and he was according to the scripture he was furious notice verses 13 and 14. then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach Meshach and Abednego so they brought these men before the king Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them is it true Shadrach Meshach and Abednego that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up now as a parenthesis. It's important to understand what made these men refuse the king's orders. They knew that what the king was asking them to do was a sinful disregard of God's law. Exodus chapter 20 verses 4 and 5 says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, so that it is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. These three Jewish boys transplanted into Babylonian culture knew that if they bowed down before Nebuchadnezzar's image, they would be in direct violation of their God. Now interesting thing about this is they had already refused to bow down. And if you read the text carefully, Nebuchadnezzar seems to be willing to give them a pass for their first failure. He's going to overlook that. But in verse 15, he gives them the final ultimatum. Notice now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn the flute the harp the lyre the psaltery and symphony of all kinds of music and you fall down and worship the image which i have made good but if you do not worship the golden image you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace and who is the god that will deliver you from my hand and you can almost see nebuchadnezzar snarl and sneer when he says and who's going to deliver you then now if I had been Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego, I probably would have walked away from that. We would have had a conference to decide what we were going to do. I would have said, okay, we got by with the first one. Let's go figure out what our strategy is. But they already knew what their strategy was. In fact, in verses 16 through 18, these three boys gave to the king what sounds like an echo of Joseph Tan. Listen to this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, we don't have to think about this. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Take that. Whoa. Doesn't that just kinda make you wanna stand up straighter and say, whoa, where are the men like that today? They answered without hesitation. They didn't show hatred toward the king. They simply said, king, we've already thought about your question, and we already know what we're gonna do if what you say happens. We are going to continue trusting our God. If he rescues us, well, we're okay with that. If he doesn't, we're okay with that. But one thing we're not okay with is, in any way, defiling the God we serve, or doing anything that would bring shame to his name. These boys truly believed that their God was able to deliver them. And because of that, they stood tall against the threats of Nebuchadnezzar. What happened to them because of their faith is the core of my message today. And we're gonna move quickly because I don't want you to miss one part of this story. First of all, I want you to note the record of their deliverance in verses 19 through 25. It begins with the king's anger in verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar, when he heard the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was again full of fury. He was sort of an angry person. We're getting that picture here. And the Bible says the expression of his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnaces seven times more than it was usually heated. Now literally the text says here that the king's visage was changed his facial expression was changed his pride was wounded his will had been crossed his supreme authority had been disregarded by these three young men and nebuchadnezzar would not have it he was going to take his wrath out on them he is furious you can sense the anger as you read the text and so on the basis of his anger king nebuchadnezzar takes the following action verses 20 to 23 And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And then we come to verses 24 and 25 in the king's astonishment. Now watch this. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God whoa whoa and notice what happens next in verses 26 through 28 then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke saying Shadrach Meshach and Abednego servants of the most high God come out and come here And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps and the administrators and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not even on them. Now listen to this. And so the end of the story is that King Nebuchadnezzar stands up, and he makes a decree, and we're going to see this in a moment, and he says, from now on, everybody's got to worship God. He goes from not even believing in the real God... But an experience like that would have a tendency to have an effect upon you, don't you know? Now, what I want to do is go back kind of through the story and ask the question, and we've talked about the record of this event. I want to talk about the reasons why these guys had the kind of courage that it took for them to experience what they experienced. And these are transferable right into your life and to mine. We may not be thrown into a fire that's seven times hotter than any other fire but in a certain way we face the fire as well in our own world in our own way in our own challenges i want you to notice several reasons why these boys were able to do what they did first of all they had an absolute commitment to god they were absolutely committed to god daniel three eighteen says let it be known to you O king we do not serve your gods and we will not worship the gold image which you have set up this wasn't something they had to think about this wasn't something they had to go and review down deep in their heart was this absolute commitment to Almighty God it was not open for discussion or dialogue they believed in God that was it there were no other gods and they were settled on that issue the secret to success in the Christian life has always been it is now and it always will be absolute obedience to God and to his word unbending conformity to his rules The three young men refused to dialogue with the king. They refused to get into a discussion. They did not have to think it over. This was non-negotiable on their part. Their commitment was to almighty God. Let me ask us our question then, are we committed to God like that? Is God a convenient part of our life? We read the polls and we watch what's happening across the nation as we hear about all the evangelicals there are and how many Christians there are. My friends, if there's so many of us, why are we doing so bad? The reason is because, as my friend Howard Hendricks says, the evangelical movement is 30 miles wide, and an eighth of an inch deep. That's the problem. We don't have a commitment to God that will take us through the fire. One of these days, the probability is, in your lifetime and mine, we're going to find out how deep our commitment to God really is. We're going to find out if we have the courage of the three young Hebrew boys who did not equivocate when they were challenged, but said, we are committed absolutely to Almighty God. Are you? Are we? That ought to be our hope today, to commit ourselves in such a way to God that nothing, nothing can move us. One of the church fathers, a man by the name of Athanasius, was a champion for the doctrine of the deity of Jesus Christ, and he fought a lot of battles with a lot of religious leaders because of his convictions. On one occasion, someone came to Athanasius and said this to him, Athanasius, the emperor is against you, The bishops are against you and the church is against you in fact the whole world is against you athanasius and athanasius said then I am against the whole world and out of that experience the phrase athanasius against the whole world Was formed and it became a watchword during that period of history athanasius against the whole world They had absolute commitment to God notice secondly not only did they have absolute commitment to God they had absolute confidence in God Notice verses 16 and 17. They said, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Now, these three courageous men believed in their God so much that they knew God was in control. They did not make deals with God. They knew they could trust God, but they did not know what was ahead. They realized that god's will might be different from what would be pleasant they didn't say we believe god because we know he's going to get us out of the fire they said we believe god because we know god is in charge and whatever he does is okay with us but they didn't make their own obedience to god contingent upon that which would be pleasant absolute commitment to god and absolute confidence in god notice thirdly these men had absolute courage for god Verse 18, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, these guys were not saying what they said because they were ignorant or because they didn't know what was going on. They knew about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had a reputation of being one of the cruelest tyrants who ever ruled. Nebuchadnezzar would kill a person at a whim. And so when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're going to defy this king, they knew they were putting themselves in great jeopardy. They knew his reputation. Daniel, who was their leader, was out of the country. He wasn't there to give them any encouragement. They were on their own. But let me tell you something, when God is on your side, you're never on your own. (laughs) I am told that when the executioner went behind Jerome of Prague, one of the early martyrs to set fire to the pyre, where he was chained Jerome said come here and kindle the fire before my eyes for if I had dreaded such a sight I would never have come to such a place when I had the free opportunity to escape and the fire was kindled in front of him and he began to sing a hymn that was soon finished by the flames which consumed him when Martin Luther was on his way to excommunication from the church to appear before King Charles V and the Roman prelate, and all the princes assembled, this is what he said. Listen to Martin Luther. My cause shall be commended to the Lord, for he lives and reigns, who preserved the three Hebrew children in the furnace of the Babylonian king. If he is unwilling to preserve me, my life is a small thing compared with Christ. Expect anything of me except flight or recantation. I will not flee, much less recant. So may the Lord Jesus strengthen me. And he went on to make one of the most important appearances ever made proverbs 29 25 says it this way the fear of man brings a snare but whoever trusts in the lord shall be safe amen and then they had not only absolute commitment to god and confidence in god and courage for god they had absolute consciousness of god notice verses 24 and 25 then king nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and he spoke Saying to his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. Well, look, he said, I see four men walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like, and in the text it actually says in some of the texts, is like a son of the gods. And the only reason it's like that in the text is because Nebuchadnezzar wouldn't have known the son of God if he'd have seen him in person what he saw was the picture of the son of god but he just said he looked like the son of the gods we know who it was it was the son of god himself it was jesus when the king looked into the fire he saw not just three men who had been thrown in there he saw a fourth man and the form of that man was like the son of god do you remember what isaiah said about experiences like this in isaiah 43 which is one of my favorite verses Isaiah 43, 2, he says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. What a description of what we have been listening to. Tomorrow we will uh, conclude our discussion from Daniel. And then on Friday, we're going to talk about courage when your future depresses you oh, my goodness, here we are at the beginning of a new year. Could your future really depress you? We'll talk about that. And uh, I think we'll have something from the Scripture that will be encouraging to you. During this series, our goal is is to ride up alongside of you and pour courage into you. And it doesn't come from us. It comes from the Word of God. We're not the originators of the courage. We're the conduits of it. I'm just here to tell you, this is what the Bible says. Here's some scripture. If you'll take moments and just read that, maybe memorize some of the scripture, you will discover that God will use the scripture to bless and encourage your heart. I know it happens because it happens to me. Don't forget that uh, we are here for you every day, Monday through Friday, on 3,000 radio stations all across the United States. Many of them carry us more than once a day, some of them as many as three times a day. You can find us on the radio if you want to. Turning Point is available to you every day, Monday through Friday, throughout every week of the year. We're here with one thing that never grows old and never is not needed. It's the Word of God. We know that if we pour the Word of God into your life, it will strengthen you, it will help you, make you better parents, better workers, better citizens, better church members, better people. We're thankful for the privilege of doing it and for your willingness to join us as you tune in every day on your way to work, at home, wherever you are. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Courage to Conquer, please visit our website, where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine turning points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. Learn how God uses crisis to prepare you for stronger days ahead. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Courage to Conquer here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah.
1: If you're ready to move towards the promises God has given you this year, then you'll love The Jordan River Rules, written by Robert Morgan. You'll learn 10 God-given strategies for moving forward, including how to encircle obstacles with biblical faith. This encouraging hardcover is yours with a gift of any amount to Turning Point this month. And when you give $70 or more, you'll also receive The Courage to Conquer set, featuring Dr. Jeremiah's teaching series, companion study guide, and bookmark. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca. Everyone knows these words of Jesus concerning prayer. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. But too often the idea of initiative is overlooked. God expects us to take the initiative when it comes to life. He expects us to do the asking and the seeking and the knocking. Sometimes we think that all initiative is to be left to God. After all, He is God and we are certainly not. But God has committed the responsibility for initiative to us. He expects us to move, to build, to create, and to pray. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God responds to initiative on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life.